headbutt him brilliantly done. And again, Silky, look at that. How many O's in smooth. Magnificent kick. He can kick this, Chris. He can kick this. Hello everybody, welcome to the Pies Nation podcast, where the pies are hot and the drinks are cold. I'm Nicholas Sacco, your host for this week's episode. This is episode 5 of season 4, episode 88, if you're counting from the beginning. I think it's fair to say the Pies learnt some valuable lessons on Saturday night after letting our big lead slip against the Cats and to eventually go down by 13 points. But despite all that, the signs are still positive as we push on to the next week. On today's episode, we'll review the Geelong game, get your thoughts on what we learned from Saturday night's match through Ask Pies Nation, get your PNP fan votes, and we preview our game against the Eagles this Saturday afternoon. I'm joined by, as always, Luke Humphreys and Marcus Callahan in studio. Tough one to swallow on Saturday night, boys, but look, the emotions immediately after the siren, we may have been a bit more negative, but I think upon reflection, it's not all doom and gloom for the Pies. Not at all, Nico. Good to be back with you too, Lukey. Not at all. It was one of those ones where it probably took a good 24 hours to let the emotions settle after a loss like that. But so much to talk about and so much constructive football that I saw played for the better part of three quarters, boys. Look, this Collingwood side, we fast forward 12 months. A loss like that is completely unacceptable. Maybe even towards the end of the year against Mm. a potential top eight side. But I just... Even after the game, like I don't know how you boys felt, but I wasn't actually angry. Mm. I, w- I was frustrated as all hell for giving up such a big lead, but I just thought, look at how we played mm. and how we have played mm. for three rounds of footy. It's been the same thing dished up each week, which is high-pressure attacking football. We talked about it before the season started, Nico, that we would get scored on, and we've seen the high defence. It got found out by a more experienced cat side. Mm. But full credit to them. They came home and won every 50-50 ball in that last term and were just too good in the end. But keen to hear your thoughts, Luke. Did you feel we should have lost that game? Uh, no, but like like you already mentioned in the opening uh, of your talk there, we spoke about this in the off-season, that this kind of thing was going to happen. And most fans were kind of expecting that it would happen. Mm. Um, and so I was a little disappointing. I tried to stay off social media straight after the game just for the fact of the overreactions that were going to come from a lot of people. And they did come in droves. I thought this is what we talked about throughout mm. the whole off season. And I, and I know it was pretty shattering to lose that game, but um, for the first three quarters, not not just the third quarter where we put on nine goals, the first two quarters as well, where we just put, didn't put the score on the board. We actually dominated most of that yeah. first half, just didn't capitalize. And then it came in that third quarter. So really we should have been in an unlosable position. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, but, like you boys both said, valuable, valuable lessons. And I'm still in the mindset that win-loss isn't a factor this season. And I know we've got really excited in the first couple of rounds thinking, could we make finals? Is it possible? Like, you just don't know. And you don't want to shut that out. But it, I'm still like, no, we took on a genuine top four side in the Cats. Um, took it right up to them. Probably should have won. Didn't. Um, but you probably take more from the loss, like this group at the moment, than they would have if they won the game. Mm. I... I I like a lot of fans emotionally charged after a loss like that. Sort yeah. of reminded me a bit of that Brisbane game last year. 
when you know we yeah. we had led for majority of that match too, and then you know a kick after the siren and lose the game. And at that point, we didn't really know where we sat anyway. It, it sort of became a season-defining game, but yeah. obviously this one was different for a few reasons. But my first thought after the game was, oh, we didn't trust the system. You know, we we got to the last quarter and, and we were just, you know, we're taking all these extra seconds with our kicks and we're kicking it down the line, hack kicks inside forward fifty. Um, the zone just seemed to disappear a little bit. That that was my first thought, and that's when I knew probably five minutes into that last quarter that we we're in trouble because we were reverting back to that old system. But, and I'm sure you guys agree, hearing Fly's press conference at the end of the game actually explaining what mm. the issues were, why the you know the boys couldn't keep that momentum up throughout the whole game, and it makes sense because mm. this is a new game plan. It's going to take a while to adjust it to a point where we can play that way for four quarters like the Richmond's had in their dynasty um, and a few other teams as well. So I really do appreciate that. And I think after hearing him, that's when I sort of toned it down a bit and said, look, maybe it was tiredness. Um, and, you know, if we weren't a rebuilding team, that's probably not an excuse. But mm. I think for now, while we're learning this new system, while we're finding... Because this is the first time we've sort of been in a position where the team's coming back really hard. I mean, yeah, St. Kilda had a bit of a run, and Adelaide was in patches, very very small patches, mind you, you know, making little runs. But this was the first time where the Cats were actually taking it to us. They were piling on goals left, right, and center. And, you know, we'll learn, and we'll probably repeat this throughout the whole episode, we're going to learn a lot from this, Marcus. Absolutely. And the tape will be rolling again and again and again with yeah. that last quarter. Probably not just for this week of footy, but a great template to come back to, particularly for that young defence. To be honest, I thought the Cats were just far too good in the last, mm. as much as it shouldn't have happened. Mm. But I want to come back to your point there, Luke, just about the wins and the losses. And maybe this sounds a bit ridiculous after three rounds of footy, but if we keep serving up these type of high-pressure performances... This type of footy stacks up in finals. It does. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. And we've got plenty of areas for improvement yeah. across the park, boys. But could we play finals if we came out every week and did that? Like, obviously it's this the year. Fa- it's, yeah. Obviously, it's, the fadeaway was, was not good enough. And that's, but- and that's probably another talking point in terms of the fadeaway within the game, but also across the season as well it might really look good for the first 10 rounds but then as the longevity of the the back end of the season fair point a few more injuries pile up and then it might start to fall apart a little but i think you're right there mark your point's interesting because you look at the game and how it played out on saturday if we're 11-4 instead of 4-11 at half time we're winning and we can actually have that genuine discussion. And we discussion. kicked seven behinds in a row, Nick. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, don't bring that up. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so it's a genuine point you make, and I understand that. The question will be, you know, how long it is going to be where we do fade out with this type of pressure mm. before, you know, we can actually say, well, no, now you actually need to start playing this way for four quarters. So whenever that point comes, and we might not have that point for another, you know, month or a bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we might get to the buy, and I might be eating my own words even having poised that question to you <laughs> boys. But I just thought to myself, it's not like we've seen a different team rock up on the day mm. throughout the first three rounds. No, like yeah, the brand yeah. of footy is definitely there. Yeah. And the fact that we're talking that way after three games of football, it, it's exciting. So you start to think, once we get that system down, Pat, can we take it mm. to the best in the comp? And it hasn't changed depending on the opposition. Like yeah. we've done the same against the Saints, the Crows. And then you would think going against the Cats, 
you might revert a little back to more defensive. We don't want to have them destroy us here tonight. Let's just be a bit safer with how we go about things. And they definitely didn't do that. And I didn't even think in that last quarter they did that too much. I think they were just completely gassed. Um, yep. Every part of the ground, wherever the ball was, it looked mm-hmm. like there were 10 more cats compared to the yep. Pies. Yeah. Um, Which was the opposite a quarter earlier. And you, yeah, and you could tell you, – you said you could tell straight away, but it was probably – I held out hope for about six to seven minutes. I think this by this point, they just got their second or maybe third goal of the quarter. I'm like, yeah, we're in trouble here. We just needed one goal, let's and, be honest. And it was I, was I was with my mate and I said, we just need to get the ball and hold it for a few minutes. And they just could not do that. Could not get um, their hands on it. They got it down once. I think Elliot had a shot and missed. And he, if he kicks that, we might hold on. But Break the momentum. Uh, yeah. But look, the thing for me was also the fact that, you know, and I was reading about it today or maybe yesterday, you know, our contested possession stats in the first three quarters were through the roof. I yeah. think it was the lowest differential Geelong had had in maybe ever since the stats were actually recorded. So, mm. you know, the tiredness play comes into it because we, we weren't getting first to the ball anymore mm. in that last quarter. Hence, they were winning the ball. Hence, they were winning clearances. Hence, they were able to score quickly. So, uh, you know, the fact that we're able to put that game up, fantastic. But, you know, I think the question, you know, will be in a month or so, at what point do we say, all right, the system's been well drilled now. Mm. When does the fitness part come in? And just think about last year when we played the Cats. I think it was a 61. Oh, I don't want to think about that 60 game. 60 to 50 kind of scoreline. And then you compare it to this year's, and it's a similar with 13-point loss. Mm. Which do you prefer? Yeah, exactly right. So if you want to look at where this team and club have come in just that short period of time, there's your evidence right there. And yep. I know we've lost again, but it's in a completely different way. In a game we actually were, would have won for most of the way, except we've just blown it right at the end. Let's get to the pie that caught your eye. Thanks to Liquorland. For all the details on your favourite drinks, head to liquorland.com.au. Pie that caught your eye, Marcus. Oh, Honourable mention to the new improved Brian Strawn. <laughs> Jack Gittiman. How about Jeez, that? Jeez, wasn't he in the thick of the action? Honourable mention. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get back to Jack because he, he was caught he, a lot of eyes. <laughs> he was he was up to up to no good, and I loved it. Ollie Henry, guys, involved in probably that that most amazing part of the game. Watching him do that chase down tackle on Selwood in front of the Magpie Army mm. it was special. I don't think he heard ball as loud as that for mm. some time in front of the Ponsford stand. So. Just the that that moment just really caught my eye because yeah. it was just so much emotion coming through and just mm. seeing him not give up and he was sucking in the big ones, Nico, to to go back and kick that goal and then of course Ginevan got um one of the Geelong defenders a bit rolled up and led to another score. So at that point there, I'm not gonna lie, I thought we had the momentum in our favour yeah, and that 100%. was game set match. So another reason why it probably hurt a bit more to the lose. The vibe in that game, uh, in that moment in that rather, moment, was yeah. just re- finals footy. Yeah, I read a tweet and I think I think it was a tweet um, comparing that to 2010, 2011 days, um, Collingwood Ponsford stand at its absolute biggest. Going off. And that's even just in these first three rounds, but especially this Geelong game with the bigger crowd there, it's feeling like we're getting back to that kind of atmosphere. Because mm. people are enjoying the what, feeling watching in what the they're ground. Yeah. watching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you get more involved. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. That's usually Funny how, it how that works. <laughs> uh, Lukey. And also, just on Ollie yeah, there, yeah. Um, I think, I can't remember who picked the ball up, but he half 
might have been side bottom half went to take the kick as an advantage. And Ollie, you could see him in the background, like, no, I want this, I want this. And yeah. you just love that in such a big moment. It scores were pretty close to that mm. point that a kid like him wants to take that shot. And I know it's an easy shot, but it just shows a lot, I reckon. You know what yeah. helps as well? And we spoke about this last week too. It was either last week or the game against St. Gilda. Fumbled a lot, Ollie Henry. But doesn't put his head down. That's still right. Still goes in hard nah, at the contest. Yeah, yeah. Still tries to beat a man in front. Yeah. It's brilliant. And to that see. was and sorry, that was the other reason he, he's caught my eye was there was one early in the game where he dropped an uncontested mm, mark yeah. on the fifty meter line yeah. and he would have basically walked into an open goal had he taken it. He just didn't quite judge the ball in the air. So I think over the first three weeks we've seen his rawness really come through. Like yeah. you see his what he's I guess his stuff ups they're really on show, but then what he does the other end is just absolutely awesome. So, yeah, enough from me. Luke? Uh, I've gone with the debutante, Reef McInnes. Yes. Um, we've had him on this podcast as well. Yes, so we shout have. Out to we Reef. have. Before he got drafted. Exactly too, right. I'm Nostradamus over here. Said, <laughs> yep, this guy's the real deal. <laughs> no. But no, I thought he didn't make, I didn't, he didn't look phased out there in a big atmosphere, big crowd, which we've already spoken about, but I thought he handled himself really Very well. True. Hmm. 14 disposal, 71% disposal efficiency, five marks, two tackles, zero turnovers, a goal assist, and six score involvements. So n- didn't set the world on fire. Didn't need to. But Serviceable. When he was, yeah, you kind of, you didn't notice him, but it wasn't in a bad way. It was like, he's just fitting in nicely out there. That was what caught my eye. So yep. um, happy with him and hopefully sticks in the side. It will be interesting to see how they put those jigsaw puzzles together. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Pita Cormier was Jamie Elliott's. Now, it may seem a bit obvious because, you know, he had one of our highest disposal. He was one of our highest disposal getters on the game. in the game. 26 touches, uh, five marks, two goals, 21 pressure acts. But what caught my eye about it was, and we spoke about Jamie Elliott a bit last year in the sense mm. that we didn't know if, if the midfield or the forward line was his suitable position. Now, I looked at his heat map and... A good eighty-five to ninety percent of that time was spent in in the forward fifty, and he had twenty-six touches. Hmm. Now, if there's anyone that can benefit from this game plan, it's Jamie Elliott. You just look at the impact he had on this game, and yes, I know we didn't win, but the fact that he was still able to hit the scoreboard, still able to have such a high disposal count at a decent efficiency too. But not only that, the twenty-one pressure acts. The, outstanding numbers there mm. I, I think someone like Jamie Elliott and there, there'll be others in the side as well but he will benefit beautiful, beautifully from this type of game and this type of system that we want to run because you know we know he's a very high impactful player when he does have the ball in his hand especially inside 450 more often than not it's going to be to our advantage but the fact that the ball is going to be coming in there so quick it just it just gives him that extra step above uh, defenders. And that's what I'm very excited to see against West Coast as well. When we talk about that preview, their defenders are slow, they're old, they're not as adaptable or they haven't been because half their size is not in. (laughs) But, you know, if we keep playing like this, expect to see Jamie Elliott's name come up in the bests more often than not because I thought, looking at him, it was like his 22, 23-year-old self again. Mm. Yeah, and I felt that way about a lot of our veterans. Yeah. It's strange. They're playing a faster brand of footy, which you'd you'd think if you're 30-plus years old, that would be harder to implement, Mm. given you're not younger anymore. But it looks like they've Mm. wiped some years off their their careers, the steals and and, and pendles. It's very good to see. Absolutely. Um, Now, this sort of comes with a loss, and, you know, we can try and, you know, evade it. If we had have won, we're probably not talking about this stuff. But I I do want to bring a couple of little concerns 
to your attention. I'm sure some of the fans listening will agree as well. Um, I spoke about Geordie Dego at the start of the year that he had to have a consistent year. Now, you look at his stats and you think, yeah, you know, he had a high disposal count, he had a bit of the ball. So ignore the fact that he kicked four behinds, which very costly mm. in hindsight. But you know what? Okay, people have rough nights in front of goals. So be it. What I got concerned about was he had one touch in the last quarter. Now, people are going to come after me in the sense that, well, no Collingwood player really touched the ball. I, like that's right? what I was going to say. No, one, know, touched no one touched the ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, am I asking too much for someone like him to stand up in those moments? Or is this a case of everyone was just fatigued? Everyone was just really tired? Um, you know, lay off him. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not trying to have a go at him necessarily. You know, the goal kicking is a bit of an issue. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like if there was anyone in that midfield to stand up at times where they were getting a run on, someone like him who can create something, yeah. who can get a bit of run mm. and carry, who can win a clearance, um, because no use chucking him in the goal square, not mm. getting the ball there. I don't know. I thought I could have seen a little bit more from him, but maybe that's just me. No, I think you're well within your right yeah. um, because we've talked about him taking that next step and this is probably part of that process in taking that next step is I was going to say we should be looking at other guys as well, but if you want Dugowie to be in that A-grade, A-plus grade echelon of players, um, then he's got to be the guy now that stands mm. up when the yep. Pendlebury's and these other guys, the older guys, can't do as much as we expect them to do as they have done in the past. Um, I was just going to say on those behinds, though, he, he has these games where he kicks behinds um, and you look back and you're like, if he nailed... And they weren't hard shots, most Could of have given one off. Oh, yeah, He definitely. really could have easily finished. He finishes with five, four or five goals and 20 disposals. We win the game. He's probably got three, three votes. Three votes. Mm. Um, and that's probably another thing in his game that he needs to work on is that is an easy three-vote game if he yep. gets those goals. And all of them were in the first half as well, so along with a lot of other misses, but... Um, yeah, he he was so close um, to being on the brink. It of, was a bit uh, of an almost game, wasn't it? A huge game, and then like you said, in that last quarter when we would have liked to see a guy like him stand up, it would have really been good. And now he can't rectify himself because he's suspended. So you know, <laughs> have we appealed that? No, nah, we're not appealing. We're... So I'm I'm not angry that they didn't appeal because I think it is a suspension, but it's just frustrating because I've seen a lot of other things get away. A lot worse than that. Oh, get I away saw you with do nothing. a couple of. Posts was it on Dangerfield? That was it was probably... the one on Dangerfield. Yes. No, but yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like that's probably why he got oh, away because yeah, well, it was on that, Dangerfield. No, yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing. Uh, Danger gets straight up and runs off, and it's like you, we've already seen in the past opening rounds, um, players get off with things a lot worse that have led to concussions, have led to injuries, and then oh. we've had Ollie Henry in the. Not Ollie Henry was Ollie. Brayden no, Brayden Maynard. Sorry, in the practice match, and then now Dugowie, um both copping their wax when I think a lot of other players have gotten away with. It things. depends who it is. Dugowie is, you know, obviously his off-field discretions. Yeah. He's on one of the pin-up boys of the AFL. It's, yeah, it's just... and I think for the club didn't bother with the uh, appeal because he probably wouldn't have got off. And also, um, we're playing West Coast this week, which hopefully is just like. A... Well, the thing is, you know. Are we judging it by action or are we judging it by impact? Well, that's that's and, the pro, that's the question that we need. And it's changed answers each week yeah. this season. Now I'm hearing it's not judged on the outcome, but last yeah. week it was judged on the outcome. So yeah. that's my hard. beef with the whole thing is 
it's got to be consistent and then everyone's going to be happy with it. But as soon as you start pulling players off, getting this guy off, getting that guy off, that's when it gets really frustrating for supporters. Um, another one I wanted to bring up was Brody Grundy. And you've already brought your concerns to this, Luke. Um, don't know. Impact's just not there right now, is it? Um, is there a reason you feel like? Or or is there something we don't know? Well, are you going to go first on this, Luke? <laughs> no, nah, you go, Marcus. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to um, take this on a wrong tangent, but I actually like that we've felt him less in the midfield because I think that despite him being the absolute heavyweight that he is as a ruckman, it feels like the opposition aren't sharking his taps as much mm. this year compared yeah. to last. And I, I, look, I haven't had enough, haven't seen enough footy to really answer the question properly, but obviously you'd like him to be that extra midfielder and just doing all the things we know he's capable of. But I don't know. Like the, sometimes I think a, a good ruckman will obviously add value to your midfield, but not be like the center point of it. Mm. And at times last year, I felt like Grundy was just being sort of not scapegoated but he was copying a lot of attention because we we're winning the taps we should have been winning the clearances but mm. we weren't doing anything with it and obviously there was a lot more wrong with our system um clearly how much we've turned it around this year so mm, what is he going to bring nico in your mind that he isn't right now that's going to elevate him to be that ruckman yeah well see of? the thing is you look at his stats he had 20 it's touches good on the eight tackles eight clearances on paper you're thinking this guy's man at a match, but a ruckman doing that. But did you think once in your but, mind after the game, oh, Brody Grundy had a really good game? No, I thought Reece Stanley had just as good of a game. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I'm talking about that purely on impact. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really know. Is it is it the fact that he doesn't? Is it his defensive traits that he, it maybe it, doesn't stack up? I is think it? it's a lot of stuff around the ground that he was doing in 2018, 2019. Because for me, he That's, was letting Stanley run around yeah, the ground. So I think that side of things is True. what we got so used to and loved, and that is what got him the All-Australian mm. honours. I think that made him stand out above other ruckmen that just moved yeah, around the maybe. ground and did the ruck taps. Now he's sort of, like you said, Mark, it's not standing out what he's doing in the middle because the midfield's actually working quite productively yeah, at the moment. Yeah. But it's just like he took, he didn't take one mark f- for a whole game. It's, yeah. So how does a ruckman not take one mark? But this is what I mean. So like, you know, is this, is he becoming, you know, less wanting to go move around the ground? Or is, as is much, it, it or? was a part of the role? Not Again, you know, maybe this system doesn't allow for that yeah. to happen. But the thing is, I think we'll get that answer in a month where we'll actually have a few more games to use and, and go back and see, all right, well, what impact is he having? Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's another player on that team that has to play a role. And yeah. if he's not playing it, then he's not playing it. And again, that's probably something and we don't highlight when we win. We're probably not talking about this if we win. And he's so, got Mason Cox in the reserves kicking three. Mm, see that. Sneaking uh, up for his spot back. Yeah, eight, Marcus is through. <laughs> eight tackles and eight clearances for Grundy too yeah. as a ruckman. So yeah. I'm, again, I'm not not doubting that those yeah. parts are outstanding. I think, I, think, yeah. I think we're talking about what we've been used to seeing. Yeah, I think the bar's been set very high. He's yeah. then taken a massive contract, so the expectations are through the roof as yeah. fans. But I just want to allow a bit more time for the midfield to do its thing. And if he's playing his role yeah. week to week in that, then maybe we're less reliant on so him maybe huge numbers all the time. Mm. Maybe a watch and wait. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. That. sure. Yeah. Well, we'll come back to this in a month, maybe. Um, one more to wrap up this analysis. Look, Nick Dacos. Um 
only three weeks to, to get the Rising Star nomination, but we'll take it. It's fine. Um, very, very impressive game. Again, um, running off half-back. And that goal, his debut goal, watching everyone. That was perfect, wasn't it? That was it? unbelievable. <laughs> it was so great to see. The celebration yeah. as well. Um, Knows where the, they are. The way he kicked it, it was, if you you say to someone, all right, this is Nick Dacos, you show him that goal. Mm. That's Nick Dacos. <laughs> yeah. Um, did I hear McRae say that, they might be playing him that, or he wants to play a bit forward. Well, forward. is that right? Uh, it sounded like he played a little bit more forward in this game. Yeah, that's what it looked like. And then they're kind of spoken about moving forward. It could be, and Nick is happy to do that. He, mm. He's, um, and he, if you like, we've already spoken about heat maps. He's moved around the ground a fair bit in this one. So, yeah, um, yeah I think it's a. Good idea. I really like him spending more time in defence at least this season. The reason being is that I think he's just going to get more time to think about what he's doing with the ball True. and set other players up, Long which term. is what we're going to want him to do well, in the guts. In the forward line, you're you're constantly being hounded, and he can absolutely kick goals. We'll see him do that this year, but I just think if the goal is to get him into the guts, he could be the next skipper of Collingwood. Mm. I think we we're a mm. while off that at the moment, but let's get him best prepared to play through the middle. So, hold on. Just, we have the goalie top five Brownlow. We have Collingwood making finals and Nick Dacos to be Collingwood captain. After Taylor Adams. <laughs> I reckon, yeah, there's an interim. We have a, we have a good an little... Interim cap, interim captain coming. No, nah, yeah. And I then mean... Dacos will just be waiting there. But um, just on, on that Telstra tracker heat map, 56% offensive half for mm, Dacos, 44% so, defensive. Now, I know they move up the ground. A lot into the more. we do at the moment because he's um, always in our so forward that's half. probably not completely showing that how he's sort of at the defensive yeah. side of the things, but move him around, yeah, exactly. Ask Pies Nation time. Make sure you do get involved on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's at Pies Nation, and also be sure to let us know how we're going on our iTunes and Spotify accounts. Give us that five star rating. Now, pretty th- similar theme to what we've been chatting about for the last half an hour. Uh, what did we learn? What did us fans learn from watching on Saturday night? It's an educational game, yes, this one. Yes, that's it. <laughs> I'll start with uh, Medieval Magpies. Unfortunately, the same lesson we have failed to learn the last few seasons. Leave a forward in the forward 50 so we have someone there after a turnover and fast break. Geelong got a few, maybe four goals from being one out in the square. In, 20, in 2018, that was Steve-O's gig and he kicked 38. Yeah. Um, again, we, we spoke the fact that this was going to happen, though, and that we were going to leave... A lot of forward lo- opposition forward lines in wide open space if we do manage to turn the ball over at that middle half forward line because, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be any different to what we might see throughout the year. There's going to be goals from teams we play against every week like that. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about it. You didn't cover this in the rundown there, Nick. I was, uh, We got chopped up by the Cats. Oh, when yes. Went through I the didn't middle. even see that. Go so, on. So... Thank you to Medieval Magpie for that one. Um, So it's the high defence boys that I'm noticing at the moment. We Mm. saw, I think, Darcy Moore, Isaac Quainor and Nick Dacos all just basically running in no man's land and the ball Mm. just getting sent over their head and in for a goal. Jezza Cameron kicked one and I think Tom Hawkins the other. Oh, Every one of them. Yeah, so I think that... Even though we like the high defence because it, it's, again, high risk, high reward, we like the high defence because of what we can do if we turn it over. But the next part of building that wall is how do we get 
whether it's Roughhead just playing sort of that goalkeeper yeah. and yeah. just hanging back off the ball or Darcy Moore being more effective at spoiling it forward. Because otherwise, if the team goes through the corridor, we do leave ourselves quite open with a young defence. So I think that's something that we will come back to throughout the year. No doubt. We didn't touch on that, but I think having a roughy type defender would have probably saved the game for us. That well, really hurt. It Not, does. Jeremy yeah. Cameron tells us up anyway. You know, apart from Gold Coast, the most goals he's kicked against opposition in his career has been us. Yeah, because it's always been right? a horror show, it seems, playing the Giants and then yeah, now Mate, playing the Cats. He just, so. just destroys us. But anyway, go uh, Daryl Berg, it's about what to do when you don't have the ball. More accountability, decision-making, and execution in the back line needs cleaning up game yep. awareness. So kind of what we were just speaking yep. about. Uh, the surge, main takeaways. Game plan, brand, exciting, a high-intensity style demanding on young bodies. Refer to the coach presser. Good crop of young players, McInnes and Dacos boys, looked at home. Uh, Quayna and Cameron played well. Great third quarter, nine goals. Uh, you can win the stats and still lose. Go Pirates. Geez, Quainer was good. I was very impressed. Mm. First half, yeah, very impressive. Might be one of his best games. Well, his best short, halves. Short career so far. <laughs> no, nah, he, he was very good. He had a, it was a career high 12 intercept possessions um, and at 86% efficiency. Yeah, very superb and yeah. very efficient. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Louis Magpies, uh, a great effort. Great effort overall and a very disappointing at the same time. We had a winning formula for three quarters. That's good for three games into a new game plan. We'll figure out the rest. Go Pies. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. Uh, Melza 5. Our pressure game is back. Need to bring a pace game with it, though. Can't go flat out 100% of the time. Our attacking game affects our defense defensive structures leads to easy goals just needs a tweak love the swing around of position keeps the excitement up good times to come and i'm glad that this is all about just fixing little things not big things because that's really all this is about fitness um getting those defensive holes patched up we'll be fine uh, Adam Miles, we didn't regain our compo- composure in the last quarter when the tide was so strong against us. When we got clean possession, we were too gassed to provide options. Yes. Thus booted to high to packs where we were undersized. Strong tools at both ends needed. If I had a dollar for every time I yelled in the fourth quarter to move, I'd be a millionaire because that's all I said in that last quarter to move. Again, this is without realizing or registering the fact that these guys may be tired. And we, well, it was... We, also we mark lost, it at half back yeah. and the pack is already ready down yeah, the line yeah. and nobody else is moving. I was getting furious. But mm. again, that's just what we have to learn. And and it's, but look, it's probably something to learn in terms of moving forward. How do we not only play this sort of fast attacking brand is what we do and what we're known for, but then how do we also play tempo footy mm. and how do we sense the game I suppose yeah. and not just go full pelt all the time but such a young team and, and that's why the loss I think really show we can talk about this they're obviously getting in depth with all this kind of stuff but so I, think, we. I think the win it's our job I think the win <laughs> would have gone sort of you just brush over it you don't really yeah and that's what I spoke about before yeah some of those topics I brought up we're not talking about if we win yeah so, so. Um, and also, we lost Steele in that last quarter yeah. at some point. I'm not sure when but he, it was. But he's been deemed fit to play this week. That was so that's a loss thing. of a player um, when True. we were already Most of the last as yep. well. So, yep, good point. Uh, and here's Tomo5555. Uh, <laughs> we need to figure out how to conserve more energy using this frenetic game style. It's not sustainable against good teams that can ride momentum shifts and ride over the top of us when we fatigue. I'm intrigued to see how we do conserve that energy. And I reckon the good comparison is the Saints game to this game. 
the Saints, they came back. We were able to fight back and win that game. The Cats are a whole different beast. We weren't able to do that to them. Yep, great point. And if we look at the next two weeks of football, we've got the Eagles, who I think we all think are a bit of a lesser side at the moment, Mm. boys. I think that's fair with all their injuries and all the rest of it. And then the Lions. Yep. Who will be another genuine test because they are top Best four, both top four sides. So yeah. we'll see how we go at pushing and pulling with those different game styles. Uh, Jimmy Pavlov, Pavlovic, sorry mm-hmm. about that. We did a lot right last night. Saw Reef McInnes debut and belongs in the seniors. Needs time to Ooh. evolve. We saw Endacos spend time in centre bounce against Selwood, Dangerfield, etc. Our youngsters were schooled in AFL footy last night. Release pressure and roll on hard to stop. Yeah, I wonder mm. what the plan is with Reef because surely they wouldn't have brought him in knowing, you know, that we might only play him one week. I wonder if if he's set in this team for at least a couple of weeks. Well, can I ask you boys a question? Mm. Has one Reef McInnes game showed you more than two Tyler Brown games, despite playing oh, yeah. different mm. positions? Oh yeah, 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 big time, big time. Well, I think he will go into the middle if he's to be part of this team yeah. as the next wave of midfielders. I can't see why he wouldn't. So I think that Tyler has got a problem there keeping yep. his spot based both, on Reef's game. Both Browns do, let's mm. be honest yep. here. Yep. But Callum has been uh, dominating the VFL. So. Coming uh, right up. Anthony Rady, overall a great showing against a premiership fancy. Collingwood seemed to let teams get on a bit of a roll. It happened last year, this year against the Saints, and now last night. Really need to stop teams scoring five or six in a row. It happens way too often. Mm, yeah, but I think the circumstances of why that was happening are different here. We'll take it. Yeah. yeah. I think we. if you had a said you lose to Geelong by 13 points in round three five months ago, you're happy with that. One more, Lukey. And just one more from Slick Burger. IQ is officially elite. He was fantastic. Uh, love the game style. Kicking nine goals in the third is more than we did in entire games last year. So that's a massive that's also very improvement. True. Kids will get fitter by playing with this sort of intensity and they are all classy so we can rotate into the side. Yeah, they're all very good points. And I, I just spoke just before about IQ and, and how good he was on Saturday night. Let's get to our votes very quickly. I'm sure there was a nice little spread of people who got into our three, two, ones. I'll start with you, Marcus. Thanks, Nico. Honourable mentions to Endacos for the rising star nom. He was very, very good. So apologies there, Nick. One vote. That's all right. Scotty Pendlebury. <laughs> it's very crisp for you, Nico. <laughs> very early. Um, one vote to Scotty Pendlebury. Thought he was one guy in that last quarter who was just giving absolutely everything, despite being probably the Almost the oldest player on the ground. Would Probably. Would older than Selwood, even? Uh, potentially. Same, age. I reckon. Same age. Oh, yeah. So, Maybe. yeah, look, and he took that really nice grab over um, Radigalia yep. as well. And, mm. yeah, and, and and he actually provided the assist to Dacos for his first goal, if you saw that little tap there, Lukey. So that was very nice stuff yeah. from Pendles. Just led from the front. Again, only 20 touches, but felt like he had more. Quainer got the two votes for all the reasons we've discussed, and I don't think I've seen him judge the ball so well for the intercept possession, but it's also then the quick kick to put a player in a good position shortly after. So he's building very nicely after, I think we said sort of second year, third year blues. Mm, mm. Three votes, Jamie Valiott. Say no more. Lukey? Yeah, my one vote, uh, Isaac Quainer, um, like we've already spoken about, one of his best games of his career so far. Two votes, Nick Dacos, um, rising star nominee and an, an incredible opening first goal. And three votes, Jamie Elliott, um, We've already went over him, but excellent, excellent game all around by him. Really. Pendles gets one for stopping time like he always does. Oh, it, every time he got the ball, 
He just stands still. It's like a force fields around him and no one can get to him he until did, he makes a decision. He, he did that a lot yeah. on the weekend. He's I just know. superb. He had eight, eight tackles as well. He, Phone he, booth operator. He's really been enjoying the pressure side of our new game plan. Two votes goes to Nick Dacos. Um, a great game off halfback um, and in the midfield when he went in there. And of course the goal, you know, it's been talked about already in the last few days how great it was um, and three votes for Jamie Elliott he was my pilot caught my eye for that reason he was just superb um, particularly in that forward 50 line creating a lot of headaches for those Geelong defenders uh, we'll get to the fan peen P vote so I'll go through the top 10 so Jamie Elliott got 10 votes um, all up from the fans Quainer gets 9 Nick Dacos 8 Scott Pendlebury, seven. Taylor Adams gets six. He had 30 touches as well. We haven't really mentioned him, but I don't know if his impact gutsy was game. strong. He was very gutsy. In and under. Uh, Dugowie gets five. Sidebottom, four. Jeremy Howe gets three. Brody Mycheck two. And Lipinski finishes off with the one. The only two players not to receive a vote from our fans was Hoskinelli and Braden Maynard. Did not receive a vote I in actually, his return. I actually, I reckon it was maybe fourth quarter. I Bruzzy got the ball and I'm like I completely forgot mm. he was back out there. I don't know what if he played if he was just invisible a or slow start. he didn't Let's do much. But I just yeah that was a good uh, pick up that he didn't get a vote because I actually didn't notice him. But I, that's not saying he played a bad game. I just didn't mm. notice him. Um, and then if you go to the full table, our top five is Lipinski in fifth, Scott Pendlebury in fourth. Dacos in third, side bottom second, and Dugowie leads it with 22 votes. But you'll see all those leaderboards on our social media posts throughout the week. Uh, and just to finish off this segment, uh, no phone call. Was anyone uh, close? There was a few. Now, I'm going to alter this just because there was a few that were... There was a few within, I guess, the three to 400 range. So yeah. going forward, we're going to try and aim for within 300. Okay. And if if there's no one, then Doesn't happen. too bad. If there's multiple people, then it will be whoever's the closest. Yeah, so sounds good. Just because I, that works. I reckon having last week three off was a very rare occurrence. Very lucky that it happened. Very, very lucky. So early we in the season. We still haven't ever hit someone, but had someone get the exact It'd be good for most weeks to have someone on. So we're going to go to 300, multiple people, then it's whoever's the closest. Um, so, yeah. We'll get your entries in. Exactly we'll right. Someone next week. And uh, and margin predictions, like you've written in the notes here. <laughs> no one, I don't know, I don't even know if anyone tipped against us, but no, you do not get a shout out for tipping against us. Uh, <laughs> that's just the rule. If you get it correct. So no, that's how we've stuck Seriously, by it. Those comments get reported, <laughs> sent to higher up. Reported as spam. <laughs> that's it, reported, absolutely. We'll take a quick break here on the Bias Nation podcast. We've got plenty for you right on the other side of this. You're listening to Pies Nation, where the pies are hot and the drinks are cold. Welcome back to the Pies Nation podcast, where the pies are hot and the drinks are cold. Now, just before we get to the VFL report, we, we had some contract news, did we not, in the last couple of hours? A couple of our young guns are staying on in black and white. I believe, was it Aiden Begg, Charlie Dean, and Jack Ginevan all mm. signing contracts? So, fantastic to see. I mean, 
if Berg and Dean can get contracts without playing a game yet, they've done pretty good so far. So good to see and that well, that's getting sorted. Well done to Ginevan, even though he's been copying it the oh, last couple well, of weeks. From, not, not giving him any air. Not giving yeah. the man who's giving it to him. Stuff um, him. Now it's Darcy Moore soon. So um, <laughs> in terms of contract, by the way, um, let's get to the VFL report. Marcus, take it away, mate. Are we getting a sponsor for this segment? Would you like one? Nico? Are we, we going to put put the branch out there to anyone that wants to sponsor us? The, well, the Surge is Marcus and Surge's <laughs> VFL report. Oh, God. Anyway, on to the game. And they kicked 100 points, boys. Gee, so I beautiful. thought the ones were going to get there, Nico, and we could only manage the solitary behind in the last quarter. But moving on to what happened with the VFL men's team. On the weekend, 15-10-100 beat the Cats 11-12-78. So it was a convincing performance led from start to finish. And among the goal kickers and probably one of the best players on the ground, Ash Johnson, Ooh, he was nice. very good overhead with his presentation and kicked truly. Kicked an unbelievable goal actually, ran from about 50 out, broke a tackle and then just pretty much ran to the goal square and just put it straight through. So Get a look at that on the highlights. Three for Coxie, so serviceable game from Mason. And Sammy Fowler, two goals again. So he must be leading the goal kicking for the for the VFL. Pretty so, close. Great. Lockie Tardu, I think, had 26 disposals and a goal. Very good. Cal Brown, 27 again, Ooh. Nico. So okay, right yeah. up, right amongst the top possession getters on the ground. But will be struggling given the form of the team to break through. And... I think it was probably that last goal, uh, sorry, last term where the the five goals that were kicked really solidified a four-quarter performance for the Pies, as I said, leading all day. So just a fun little fact too. Do you remember Michael Hartley? Oh, yeah. For the, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's back at Collingwood. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I actually, I, I sort of did hear about this, but yeah. He went to the Bombers mm. and mm. then might have played at the Hawks, Hawks yeah. briefly as well. So nine years since he wow. first... Arrived at Magpie Land and he was back in the VFL team. So Good that, on him. that was that was odd. And um, another strange one watching the game was um, Big Johnny Segler. He's also gone. Oh, he's to at the Cats. Now, isn't he, he was playing. Yeah. Got oh. injured, us, didn't he? He's back. He was back in the ruck for the VFL side. But so I, he was hobbling geez. off with an ankle, I think, at some point in that game. I've oh just seen God, a clip. that's unlucky because that was his return game. If that's the case. <laughs> oh no. So anyway. Um, it was just, yeah, there you go. Two old Collingwood names, one back and one playing against us. So this week we will go on to play the Northern Bull Ants, Nico, the Ooh. Preston City Oval. Down in my neck of the woods. Your neck of the woods. So get down there if you can and tell me what happens. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, your job, mate. 12, 12 levels. You get a sponsor for me while you're there, I reckon. 12.05 p.m., like I said. Um, so that'll, that'll be a good one to get down to. Hopefully we can make it three and zero around the league. Did Serge have anything to add? Sergio, of course. Just quickly, uh, he had a little report which is on the Twitter, but I'll just leave you with this comment he's left. Uh, thank you, guys. Love watching the game at AIA Ground, uh, or AIA Centre, whatever <laughs> yep. you want to call it. Lots to <laughs> like with our VFL, VFL boys. Ditching the shorts and T-shirt when I visit next. Forgotten how cold that breeze was. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's all open there, isn't it? So uh, A few... Uh, Reviews of uh, watching the VFL there. Not oh. great. See, uh, we get the analytical side and we get the weather side. We get the <laughs> environmental side. Someone who was there. Exactly exactly right. So he, it all works out. He's got a sponsor. So. <laughs> yeah, you might have to chat with him. <laughs> him. Yeah. Um, VFLW side, unfortunately, another loss for them. They went down to Casey. Um, they kicked 3-11, so didn't really help Eight. out. 
doesn't help your cause at all. Um, we're still only a few points outside the top six, so still a bit of time to catch up. Uh, we play sixth place Geelong, in fact, uh, this Saturday morning at GMHBA Stadium. So if you're around Geelong Way, head down and watch the Pies girls. Hopefully get a nice little win against the Cats. Now, let's get to the West Coast preview. Now, I think... In recent years, when we've rev- uh, previewed games against West Coast, it's it's a bit of how do we stop them more than what do they have to do to stop us. Well, I think this time they've got a lot more worries than we do in terms of oh, yeah. the situations they've had to go through and uh, missing half their team due to COVID and contact uh, close contacts and all these protocols. Um, look, I'm just going to put it out there. There's no excuses to lose this. Yep. We, we have to win. It's as simple as that. Playing at Marvel, we're at home. They have to travel. Um, we've got a relatively fit team, bar a, f- a few names. Not even really anyone, you know, like massive, massive, big, long list of names. Um, I, I don't see us losing, and that sounds very cocky, but let's be honest here. The way we've been playing compared to them. If you watch that game they played against Fremantle on Sunday, it was a, it was a bit ugly. Let's just say that for West Coast, because... When you look at it, apart from Hearn and McGovern, and the only reason they got a lot of the ball was because down there, Fremantle were bombing it in there half the time. Mm. Apart from them two, no one else really did anything. Right. No one else really had that run and carry. And the reason I think we have no excuses is because, and I mentioned it early in the, in the first segment, they're an old team. They're not someone that has a lot of run and carry. They're not a speedy team, barring a few players maybe, but not in general. Uh, we surely run them off their feet. And if we get to a stage in the third quarter where we're up by a considerable margin and we don't have to rely on, you know, if working out if we have to conserve energy or if they get a bit of a run, I'm sure we'd be able to, to stop it. I don't know. I, I think the Dockers capitalise on that factor in the sense that they had a lot more run and carry, a lot more speed into the game. Um, and as long as we don't play into McGovern and Hearn's hands, mm. I, I think we're going to be fine. I, I, and this is the most comfortable I've felt about Collingwood against West Coast in a long, long time. A long, long But unless you boys disagree with me, oh, I think well, that's how we have to look at it. Oh, well, these just it's just these kind of games. You feel comfortable. But yeah, I know. It's so comfortable that it's actually uncomfortable. That Yeah, yeah it's I, a bit of pressure. And it was almost north a couple of weeks ago. Now, they're a completely different story, but they almost fell into the trap of... Well, we're going to win this pretty comfortably, and then they only just got over the line. Now, I actually thought West Coast would be a bit more of a threat in these few weeks um, with all their COVID worries um, following that game, but then obviously Frio took them apart very easily, and then we've seen North get done by 100 points. So that game's a bit of an outlier now. So, yeah, you're right, Nico. This should be no worries in the world. Um, Hopefully a nice relaxing experience for Collingwood fans, but... It never is. No, I know it's not. Um, and, you know, there'll still be some scars from Saturday night. So oh, I have no I'm doubt hope, about that. I'm hoping the boys come out fired up after feeling like they let themselves down mm. uh, on the weekend. I'm sure McRae said a few words yeah. to him, no doubt. Do you agree with us, Marcus, or are you not as optimistic? No, look, I don't think it's a danger game, but I think let's not get too complacent here. Yeah. We need to come out all guns firing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one note I did have about the Eagles and... This discussion's been brought up around the AFL circles, but hasn't really impacted us maybe until this week. So watching that West Coast Fremantle game, I did notice that Jackson Nelson was tagging Andrew Brayshaw, but only for the first half. For the first half, um, I'm trying to think. He had seven touches by halftime, Andrew Brayshaw. Um, And Nelson actually kept him pretty composed. 
But then for some reason, you took him off that tag and Brayshaw ended up having the most touches for the Dockers at the end of the game. Now, I don't know if it's, again, because Nelson couldn't keep up with him for a whole game or it was fatigue or they were trying to, you know, use him for some other role, which I don't understand because they were already down by a considerable margin. But can we expect some type of tag? Now, it's a weird question because it's not like... We have, you know, that one out-and-out midfield star. I mean, I guess you could try and classify the goalie into that category, but maybe not mm. right now. You know, does does Nelson go to with the goalie? Does he go Does he go to one of our midfielders? Maybe going to the goalie. No, that's exactly what I was thinking. But, you know, does he go to a Pendlebury or side bottom and Adams? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm just listing names here because it's weird to think that a team would actually tag our midfield. I feel like... And would it work? I feel like we're quite untaggable, and that's not saying being arrogant or anything, but... It's such an even spread that... Yeah, that's what... Yeah, Like Lipinski, for example, on the weekend, he's played really... First two games, really been in our top five yeah. players on the field pretty comfortably. And then this week, he didn't do as much, but it was probably our best performance Yeah, minus the third quarter. Mm. So, But it's not a bad thing for that to happen. So, I, yeah, I... I don't think we have to worry about a tag. And if they do tag, then... Um, that's on them. <laughs> that's going to probably hurt them more than it would hurt us, I would say. Well, especially seeing as our game plan's about getting numbers to the contest. You yep. know, if you're having one player I, focusing on another... I think tagging is very not in at the moment. Not and in if, vogue. And if you're doing it, then you're thinking the wrong way. Well, it. you're nah, not going to win many games right. of footy, I don't think. And that's just how it is at the moment. Have you seen the media slam Essendon for not tagging Lockie Neal a couple of weeks back but and, w- and all that? I'm just... No, yeah, I know. Some players, no matter... You put a tag on a player, it's going to... Yeah, you stop them getting 40 disposals, but you might lose by six more goals instead mm. because everything else has fallen apart. I think this media... The media want the tagger back in because they just want... Oh, this player's stopped it. Why didn't you stop this player? And Bucks copped it throughout his coaching mm. as well with the Gary Ablets. And but when we beat the Suns by hundred points or whatever, but Gaza gets fifty disposals. Oh, why didn't you tag him? Yeah, but it was or po- Tom Mitchell, pointless. And yeah, I just think you're thinking about it the wrong way if you're tagging. And if West Coast want to do that, then go for it. Yep. In terms of selection, uh, no injury concerns from Saturday night, which is great. Sidebottom's been deemed fit to play, um, but. Reading the injury report, there's the potential for Ruffy to make his return this week, which would be very exciting because I didn't think he was going to come back this quickly. Um, and also the fact that Kruger and McCreary are progressing really well yep. um, and that they might potentially be back maybe by Anzac Day um, or a little bit later, which is great news. Um, if Ruffy is fit, does he play? Actually, let me rephrase the question because, of course, he does. How fit does Ruffy have to be? For him, for Collingwood to pull the, the plug and say, yep, all right, you're back into the team. Because is it is it not really going to be a desperation call here, is it? No, and I think it's an opportune game for him to come back, actually, assuming that we play how we have been playing and against the side who we expect would perform a bit more like the Crows or the Saints. Mm. Probably not quite finals teams, so... Stands to reason that the ball will be in our front half for a lot more of the match. And maybe that means Ruffy doesn't have to exert himself as hard as he absolutely will against the Lions at the Gabba, Nico. Oh, so yeah. So 
I think if he's fit, bring him in and let's just get his season it's going. It's a good point because then you don't want to bring him in when you've got to place Danaher and hit put it. No, the that, that would be a bit rude. And yes. potentially yeah. a tiny worry with Kennedy and Darling yeah. this week. Yeah. Um, and I know, yeah, it shouldn't be an issue, but probably just the only worry. Historically, yes. The, <laughs> yeah, one of the only worries McRae's probably thinking about is that, yeah, we might get him everywhere else, but, you know... Mm. I seen last week Cameron and Hawkins tear us apart. Maybe we just need him just yeah, in case. Maybe. It's it's definitely a discussion to have. Any other selection changes? I, I don't really see Well, someone has to come out if Ruffy comes well, in. Well that's what, well yeah, that's true. I I mean probably imagine. Yeah. You would assume. 100%. I mean I don't really see anybody else taking Who was, who was yeah. our medical sub on Saturday? Tyler Brown. Who didn't get on, did no. he? Despite Steele no. sitting on the bench interesting for call, minutes. that. Very interesting call. Surprised we didn't review that. Um, I reckon... Dowhouse had a big impact, so Well, that's... This was the discussion people were having. Fresh legs yesterday. of Tyler could have done. Could that anyway. have... Not that Tyler can set a game on fire, but at least, you know, fresh legs. Chuck him in the midfield, man. See what happens. Mm. See if he can win a couple of clearances. That's game why, changes. That's why I was thinking Steele must have come out late, but if yeah. he was early... No. 15 minutes on the pine. Yes. Then it should have been made. I'd, maybe they were worried about a penalty coming their way if he wasn't... Because you can see he's playing this week, mm. so he mustn't have been too badly. But oh, that's what I mean. The clubs are getting away with... That's what I was going to say. Maybe Collingwood were worried that if they subbed somebody out, they wouldn't have been able to play in the next week. I, I don't know. I think it was Carlton. They, they subbed... Um, Kerno Jack out. Martin came on. And it was like the last yeah. substitute of the game. And no, I don't think anyone's really thought about that. But if you've got a player coming off that you know is not going to come back on because it's only a few minutes to go and you're out of rotations, this might be your last rotation or last couple, instead of just subbing them off and they stay on the bench, actually sub them out of the game. For, yeah. And they were speaking about this yesterday that, well, you just say the player's got a knock to the leg and he's injured. So we just want to assess no, that. Don't yeah. want to take any risks. So, mm. yeah, there's, there's loopholes everywhere. Come on. I feel like that loophole hasn't really been used until yeah, the maybe not. game, yes. but we'll see if that gets used. I like forward. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so are we assuming it's just imagine for Ruffy if he's fit? I think so. Otherwise, we keep... The selected side? I think so. Mean? And then unless, hopefully Krug's back next unless week. Unless there's a few that are really gassed after the first three rounds. Yeah, no, well, maybe. Rot- that's that's rotate awesome. Rotate in and out a couple. but Johnson, that, Wilson maybe sneak in. That, that's just pure guesswork at this exactly. point. Exactly. So. Just a disclaimer I'm adding into this episode. We didn't actually talk about the fact that the goalie's not playing and who would replace him. So in a quick minute, boys, <laughs> who comes in for the goalie? Oh, well, maybe now we keep... Imagine and yeah. in comes Rufford and there you go. I don't know, maybe too many defenders looking. Or if we want to unleash Ash Johnson after he's chuck him in the forward four line. Goals, you just something for an easy I West like Coast it. game. Yeah, not know. too bad. All right, that's all we needed. Thank you. Uh, tips, boys. Mm. What are we after here? Oh, I think the Pies can win. The Pies can win by twenty-seven points. Very this nice, week, Nick. That'd be very nice. If it's only twenty-seven. I'd be pretty. Here we go. Pies by sixty. Whoa! But I think yes. we can do a lot more than that. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to be too optimistic. But just say it, hundred. Say just say hundred. <laughs> if say we 100. play, if we can play like that third quarter for just just fifty percent of that third quarter for majority of this game. We're killing them, let's be honest. I'll go close to the middle and say 40. Yeah. 40 was my prediction coming in. But 
Any of those margins I'll be happy with. As long honest. as it's a win. As long as just, it's a win. Just keep our heart rates pretty low. I exactly. Think. That's the plan. Yeah, no one point blockbusters. <laughs> no, <laughs> no that, that'd be. Yeah. Well, don't. No. Carlton. <laughs> all right. That's all that's we're going to have time for on this week's edition of the Pies Nation podcast. Thank you to Marcus and Luke. Thanks, as Nico. Always. I've been your host, Nicholas Sacco. This has been the Pies Nation podcast, where the pies are hot and the drinks are cold.